You're listening to the Disney One by One podcast, a chronological look at every Disney animated classic and beyond. Here's your host, Mike Rolfing. Hello and welcome once again to Disney One by One. This week we're talking about Chicken Little from 2005. And remember, you can check us out all over the internet at Disney1x1. If you could leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, we would love that. And we'll read your reviews here on the show. With me this week, as always, is my brother David Rolfing, the, the runt of the litter to my fish out of water. How's there that? we go. You remember this week. <laughs> Hello. Thank you for having me back. Yeah, this, uh, this will be an inter- interesting one. And joining us this week, a first-time special guest. He is a comedian from St. Louis, Missouri. Rafe Williams, welcome to Disney One by One. Thanks for having me. Happy to have you here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? What do you do? Uh, I am a stand-up comic and uh, an improviser and sketch performer and a Libra. I like Cool Ranch Doritos. <laughs> and uh, I like long walks on the beach in my head, but I don't really like sand. So really just the idea of long walks on the beach. You're like Anakin Skywalker. A little bit, yeah. You don't, you don't like sand. It's rough and coarse and it gets everywhere that's right <laughs> where Man, do you where do you perform talk about that movie okay. <laughs> uh, i perform all over the place all over the country helium comedy club the improv shop got a show coming i don't know when this comes out oh yes yeah, so this comes out november uh 6th okay well then november 7th i will be at the ready room opening for kyle canane in st louis missouri part of the flyover festival comedy festival get wristbands get tickets it's like 40 bucks for a wristband. You get three days of nonstop comedy. It's a good deal. Nice. So that's tomorrow. That's tomorrow. I better start preparing. Talk a little bit about your Disney history. How does Disney influence your life or not at all? I think Disney was a big part of my life uh, growing up because I, I grew up in a VHS world, dog. And let me tell you something. Disney is a lifesaver on the weekends when your parents are having people over and all you got is three channels and a VHS. Yeah. I still remember the sound of like the Disney VHS because they were always like the big, the big like molded plastic. Yeah. I remember the sound of like that little squeak. Yeah. Yeah. The seal (laughs) being broken on uh, a Disney tape and being like, well, at least I know what I'm doing for the next two hours. I also went on a deep dive recently to find this. Do you remember the Disney openings? Have you guys talked about this on podcast yet? Oh, uh, maybe. Ma- Go for it. Mandela effect. This the Tinkerbell Mandela effect. Not this. Not this was no. not the specific one. No. Okay, there is one, and it does exist, and people swear it does not. That it's a Mandela effect. I don't know what movie it is, but at the beginning, when Tinkerbell comes out and puts the eye over Disney and like the, the rainbow shoots over the castle. There's one where she goes to do it and her wand doesn't work and she shakes it and like beats it up against the Disney logo oh. and like, like it's misfiring and then she hits it and it works. Okay. And Did I you got, find it? I got, I couldn't find it. And I went deep, deep web, deep in a Reddit thread. And I remember it was on a VHS. It may not have been on a major Disney movie, but it was definitely on like a VHS Maybe it was like Rescuers 4 or something, huh. you know, one of those straight-to-video Disney movies. But I'm telling you, I remember it, and it existed. That does sound vaguely familiar now that yeah. you mention it. I had to Google what Mandela effect meant, but <laughs> now I get it. It's it's when you think there's like a mass misremembering of something. Yes. So I guess like a lot of people thought Mandela died in prison, and only to be shocked to find out he died years later. Right, right, right. Well, I have something, it's not quite Mandela effect, but it's, there was a quote that while we're asking our viewers for help, our listeners for help, yeah, there was a movie quote in my head recently, maybe it's from a TV show and it is, 
Are you thinking what I'm thinking? The ultimate slingshot maneuver. That's from a movie? <laughs> I don't know. It was this line from something in my head, magic school bus, maybe. Something like that. And a slingshot maneuver it usually has to do with like sending spaceships around planets. I know. I ha- but I have like the exact cadence of it in my head. And I have no mm, idea what it's from. Yeah. And I Googled that exact quote and nothing nothing came up. Sandlot? That sounds like a sound. Sand, sounds like a sandlot quote. I thought it was the Little Giants. Could be. And I watched the entire last hour of Little Giants, <laughs> which is when it would have happened. Like when they were doing the plays to beat the older kids, uh-huh. you know, whatever. And they did not say it. They do have the annexation of Puerto Rico is one of the plays yeah. that they that they run. Salute your shorts, Nickelodeon. That sounds like something Bobby Budnick would say. I didn't watch that. It may have been in a, in a preview that I saw a lot and then never actually saw the movie or show. That's I like Wolf, Wolfmen Have Nards from Monster Squad. That's been stuck in my head for 35 years. <laughs> it was the ultimate preview. It did its job. It's, yeah. it's in there and it's never coming out. Yeah, a lot of these Disney movies that I hadn't seen in full, I had seen the trailers for and certain lines come out. Like I have heard this so many times. Rafe, I forgot to mention our, our our finest work together. We made a few different videos, and we did. Uh, I, I encourage people to search for for uh, people you see at the gym. If you put that in quotes, it'll probably yeah. come up. Of all the hard fought, well written comedy I've done, yes, the most viewed video I have is me with barely a towel covering up uh, <laughs> my private parts. I forgot and, about that. You had a the video <laughs> that has no dialogue and got 20,000 million views in Australia for some reason. Yes, it did. Yeah, someone, some Australian fitness Facebook page downloaded and reposted it and it got like at least 10 million hits (laughs) from our stolen video. And then, uh, and then we made a an amazing commercial for Lions Choice, which is a beloved local establishment here in St. Louis. That uh, I guess they kind of shared it, but I think it was a little too edgy for them or something. I just found another repost of that gym video with ten thousand really? views. <laughs> just a random YouTuber's account. Thieves. None of us got paid for it. Nope. I, I still love it. I think it's a lot of fun. So Rafe, we ask all of our guests to rattle off their top five favorite Disney movies. Did you manage to narrow down this list? Oh, yeah. Five uh, two-way tie between Lion King and the Rescuers and the Rescuers Down Under because I thought they were equally good. So three-way tie? (laughs) Three-way tie. Uh, I count Rescuers, Rescuers Down Under as one. Jungle Book coming in at number four. Jungle Book. Watched that a lot growing up. Had that one. Uh, Sword in the Stone was a big one for me. I enjoyed that a lot. Fox and the Hound coming in at number two. Wow. Number two. Deep, Deep cuts. Fox and the Hound at number one. Disney's Robin Hood. Nice. Udalali, the Rooster song. Uh, I believe a country music artist. Oh, who's the yeah. guy that played the Rooster? Do you know who I'm talking uh, about? Yeah, I do. Every um, town has its ups and downs. Roger Miller. There you go. That was a good. Robin Hood is currently sitting at my number one. We've been updating our lists as we go. It's my favorite. It's still. It's so good. It's good. I used to sing the Rooster, the, the Roger Miller song to my son to put him to sleep at night. That was like his favorite so near and dear to my heart yeah Robin that's great. will never be dethroned well and then disney decided to make anthropomorphic animals again and we got chicken little so so with that we'll move on to chicken little let's talk about it and now our feature presentation what if you found out the sky was falling would you tell anyone 
Would you be scared? Maybe even a little. Chicken? Ow. In September 2001, director Mark Dindle, Dindal, who directed Emperor's New Groove, he developed the idea for Chicken Little, with its title character envisioned as a female, an overacting, gloomy female that goes to summer camp to build confidence so she won't overreact, I guess, to the sky falling, as well as repair her relationship with her dad. And at the summer camp, she uncovers a, a plot that her camp counselor, who was going to be voiced by Penn Gillette, was planning against her hometown. So that was the original plot of this movie. So Mark Dindle pitched this to then head of Disney, Michael Eisner. And Eisner said, I think Chicken Little will be better as a boy, because um, if you're a boy and you're short and you're small and you get picked on, that's like a bigger deal than being a girl. I don't know. I'm not quite sure the rationale there. He thought that a tiny little boy would have more to overcome than a tiny little girl. Ah, Michael Eisner and toxic masculinity, everybody. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so in January 2003, a guy named David Stainton took over as president of Disney Animation, and he told them to completely redo the story as well. And so like a dozen people worked on this and kind of became what it eventually became. Holly Hunter was the original voice of Chicken Little. She was a, They were recording with her for oh, like... Oh, man. Yeah, for like eight... Great. Eight months. Uh, but then they turned into a boy. And so they auditioned at least 40 actors for this role, and Zach Braff ended up getting the role. Yes, it took me halfway through the movie of thinking it was Billy Crystal. Oh. Until I figured out it was indeed Zach Braff. I did not recognize his voice, but I also never really watched Scrubs or anything with him, so... Normally, I, I normally I lock, I lock down the voice pretty quickly, and I was not sure who that was. He did sort of pitch his voice up a little bit in the audition, and they liked that, him sort of imitating a teenager or adolescent, so... They went with him. The Ugly Duckling side character was originally a male, voiced by Sean Hayes, and they turned that into a female, voiced by Joan Cusack. And a number of people auditioned for that role, including Jamie Lee Curtis, Sarah Jessica Parker, Jodie Foster, Dina Davis, and Madonna. Wow. So Joan Cusack won that out. And then rounding out the cast, we have Steve Zahn as the pig, Gary Marshall as the dad, and Amy Sedaris as Foxy Loxy. Who are some of the other people you noticed? in the little side characters. There are all sorts of other voices. Uh, well, for one thing, I found out that Don Knotts was still alive in 2005. Because <laughs> I was like, man, that rooster, somebody's doing a real pretty passable Don Knotts impression. And then I looked it up, or the turkey, turkey lurkey. Yeah. Which, who named these characters, by the way? Oh, they're terrible. Buck Cluck and Turkey Lurkey and Foxy Loxy. And well, I'm that like, might be from the original fairy tale. I feel head. like the characters I, have, have I really... They all had like, like rhyming names. Yeah. But I uh, I found, I looked it up because I was like, who's doing this Don Knotts knockoff? And it turns out it was Don Knotts one year before he died. Chicken Little killed Don Knotts. You oh. heard it here first. It's a terrible thing. I also heard Fred Willard and Catherine O'Hara. We got some uh, Christopher Guest folks in there. Yeah, at the end. Who's the dude that, the deep voice guy from Seinfeld? Uh, Patrick Warburton. Yeah, at the end. I feel yep. like I picked him up at the end, yeah. There was some Adam West at the end. He played like the superhero, oh, the superhero version of Chicken Little, which was, yes. which was a good choice. Patrick Stewart was in there. He was, yeah. And uh, I also heard Wallace Shawn and uh, Harry Shearer. Shearer. Quite the cast in this movie. I forgot to mention that Chicken Little was previously a short film created by Disney during World War II. 
They made a number of sort of propaganda anti-Nazi films in the 40s. And one of them was called Chicken Little. I haven't seen it. I, I need to look it up. But that was 1943. It was a short film called Chicken Little. So, so you get hit in the head by Gerbil propaganda. <laughs> Probably. Falling out of a plane. <laughs> um, yeah, that came out in 1943. So... Uh... In the heart of it there. So anyway, the uh, 2005 version was Disney's first fully CG animated film. They did not own Pixar yet. They were only uh, releasing Pixar films. So none of those were under their production team. Ah, movie might be why they bought Pixar. Yeah, probably. We'll get get to that. They took 50% of their 2D animation staff and put them through an 18-month training program to learn Maya, which is the software, the animation software they use to do the 3D, which is still a thing. Maya is still very prominent 3D software. All of the characters, getting some nitty gritty, were constructed using geometric polygons. Chicken Little was made of 5,600 polygons. They had 700 muscles and more than 76,000 individual feathers on that character. Holy moly. Real quick, the music, the score was composed by John Debney, who did, also did Emperor's New Groove. I think he also did like Passion of the Christ. I remember he did that. <laughs> <laughs> And he's, he's still working. He's done all sorts of movies. The movie features a wide array of pop songs and covers, which was odd. We heard Patti LaBelle and Joss Stone, the Bare Naked Ladies were in there. Yeah. Cheetah, Cheetah Girls, Five for Fighting. There was Ain't No Mountain High Enough. There was some R.E.M. Captain and Tennille at the end. Yes, there were covers of Spice Girls and Queen and Don't Go Break In My Heart. I couldn't tell if there was like a couple originals. The music did not match the aesthetic no, ever. it did not. It felt like two movies got crammed together where I was like, what's happening? Well... I was thinking, so Shrek came out in 2001, uh, which was right when Mark Dindle was creating this movie, and it really felt like they were trying to make their own Shrek to me. We'll put some catchy pop tune, but it was even like, but even then, he's, he didn't stay in one genre. He was all over the place. So at the time of the release of Chicken Little, the deal between Disney and Pixar, that we were just talking about, was set to expire after Cars, which was set to release in 2006. There were huge negotiations going on, and a lot of it was riding on the success of Chicken Little, which is kind of funny. So on October 30th, 2005, this movie premiered in Hollywood. It was then released on November 4th. It debuted at number one. It tied Lion King's Disney record for the biggest opening weekend at 40 million. It stayed number one through the next week, and it ended up making over 314 million worldwide on its $150 million budget, which is a huge success for Disney, especially compared to more recent movies like Fantasia 2000, Atlantis, Treasure Planet, Home on the Range, which did not really make much back. Uh, did not get any award nominations that year for Best Animated Feature. Wallace and Gromit, The Curse of the Were-Rabbit won Best Animated Feature at the Oscars. It ended up landing at number 14 that year in as far as highest grossing movies. The top five that year were King Kong, which there was a King Kong reference in this movie. Uh, War of the Worlds, Harry Potter, Goblet of Fire, uh, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And number one was Star Wars Revenge of the Sith. Real quick to wrap up this history, there were two video games released. There was Chicken Little for Xbox, PS2, GameCube, GameCube Advance. They made Chicken Little Ace in Action, which was based on the superhero movie at the very end of this movie. Okay, good choice. And then there was a sequel planned to Disney Toon Studios, which is the kind of subset of Disney that made all the crappy sequels. John Lasseter came in in 2006 and kind of shut down all those crappy sequels, and so that didn't get made. Uh, that's all I've got, David. Any other random fun facts before we start talking about this movie? A couple. This was the last Disney animated movie to be released on those VHS tapes, those lovely plastic boxes uh. that you replicated the sound of. 
Um, and the first ever digital 3D format movie released by Disney. Good riddance. Yeah, that is all. Okay, so Rafe. What's up? What was your history with Chicken Little? Had you seen this movie before or is this your first time experiencing this? First viewing. First viewing was, uh, I actually watched it earlier today. I wanted it to be fresh in my mind. So yeah, I had not seen it. I had no preconceived notions about revisiting nostalgia or whether it would hold up. I just I tried to watch it with an open mind and an open heart. All right, David, how about you? I don't think we had this in the house. No, but I think I saw it in theaters. Okay. But I believe that was the only time I saw it. My memory of it was that it was an alien alien abduction movie. So I thought that he, they like took him to space or something, but okay. obviously that didn't happen. They didn't leave Earth. So my memory was wrong. Okay. Yeah, this came out my senior year of high school. No, this would have been this came out my freshman year of college. Yeah, November 4th, 2005. I feel like this that was the year of No, Casino Royale must have come out the next year. I'm trying to remember what movies I saw early on in college. I remember seeing Casino Royale. I remember going and seeing Beowulf in IMAX, the oh, that man. CG uh mess. Robert Zemeckis mess. No, I don't remember seeing Chicken Little. I do remember seeing Meet the Robinsons a few years later, but not I'm not Chicken Little. So All right, Rafe, now that you have seen this What was your initial reaction? Give it to us. Uh, I thought the first couple of minutes where they kind of took some uh, comedic shots at the beginning where they're like, once upon a time, oh, that's been done. Uh, They did the Lion King opening and I was like, oh, cool. They're like, they're going to be like tongue in cheek, self-referential. Now, where to begin? How about once upon a time? How many times have you heard that to begin a story? Let's do something else. I got it. I got it. Here we go. Here's how to open a movie. No, I don't think so. It sounds familiar, doesn't it, to you? And it's going to be kind of a fun movie, and they kind of just abandoned that from that point on. Yeah. And then, uh, I'll be honest, I did not expect aliens. It was very much Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Surprise, surprise, we introduced aliens into a franchise that did not require them. And there was an Indiana Jones reference at the beginning. There was, and I was that was the thing I was trying to connect. And I was like, are they making fun of themselves for introducing aliens at an unnecessary point? I didn't know if that movie was out yet. I don't not. think it had come out yet. Oh, it was a precursor to that. Yeah. Uh, overall, I thought the celebrity was bigger than the product. Like, there were a lot more celebrity voices than I thought content of movie. All right, David, how about you? High level, I enjoyed Chicken Little as a character and the the theme of him and his father. I think that was the strong point and that's good because it was kind of the central theme. But besides that, the humor, I didn't really enjoy. It was all just very silly, silly kitty humor. The way the aliens completely took over the story, I wasn't really expecting that. The the way they did it, at least, I thought it was like an abduction story. But yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it, I think, more than I thought I would. But I also didn't have many memories from when I saw it in theaters. Yeah, I feel like the thing that makes a Disney movie a Disney movie is that there's something in it for everyone or there's something in it that's timeless. And I feel like this is like pretty much solely a kid's movie, despite a number of references scattered throughout. So the characters are so stupid. (laughs) They're all so dumb. I agree with you, David, that the story with the dad is kind of nice. 
and I, it was, I guess it's good that they were able to incorporate something like that in there. And like the alien twist and how they ended up just being friendly at the end was was okay. But as a whole, honestly, the animation of this movie just sucks. <laughs> just put it at that. The whole movie. It's hard to separate the movie from that. I mean, this came after, and again, Pixar and Disney were separate, but this came after Toy Story, Bugs Life, Toy Story 2, Monsters, Inc., Finding Nemo, and Incredibles, which if you watch those back, the CG isn't like flawless or, I mean, Pixar has gotten so much better since then, but those are still very easy to pleasant to watch movies. This came after Incredibles? Yes. Incredibles was, or Incredibles might've been the same year. And these Disney folks just did not have the same chops as what else was being released at the time even the dad son dynamic felt a little ham-fisted like all those movies you just named i was like oh yeah those tugged at my heartstrings at some point throughout them there was a moment where i was like whoa there's a deeper message there yeah this one just kind of felt like it was just kind of a ham-fisted like you never explain what happened to his mom. They just kind of tell you, like, his mom's dead. We're not gonna tell you. She might went to the Tyson chicken plant, but we're not going to say. Like, right. we don't know. And he's, like, a single dad. And I felt sorry for Chicken Little a couple times, like when the principal was basically saying what a piece of garbage he was. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of mean, a lot of yeah. mean characters in this. Yeah. And, like, but I felt even at times, like, it felt like two different movies jammed together like up into the point of the baseball game (laughs) i was like oh here it is he's they just want him not to embarrass himself and he's the kind of guy that's just he's not scared and he's gonna take a big swing and that's the message and then they're like no that's just a thing we put in here to fill time i guess i'm surprised they put baseball in this movie because i feel like a lot of international audiences wouldn't know what's going on right it just felt weird it just felt like a weird like you need to talk to your dad. I can't talk to my dad. And then some stuff would happen. You need to talk to your dad. Well, we kind of talked, me and my dad. And then he literally has this alien thing in his bedroom and he won't go tell his dad about it. Yeah. That may be mad. Or an actual alien. Or an actual alien. It yes. went from like, oh, I have a second. I'm in the second moral quandary of do I say this guy is falling now that I'm a hero of the town? And he didn't. Then he did when there was a huge event. And then within two minutes in the movie after he was, you know, the all is lost moment of, well, he's telling another tall tale. This guy cracks open and it's like, Oh, guess he was right. No one like, yeah, right. There was like that moment of tension did not have any time to build. It was just like, Oh, for a second time, he went from hero to a zero a second time. And then literally in two minutes, the sky cracks open and all the aliens come down out of the sky. And it's like, yeah. We, we finally believe you, kid. Yeah, there's literally a throwaway line from his dad. He's like, yeah, the alien invasion, it's real. I believe it now. Get in yeah. the car, let's go. You're right, let's go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there wasn't even a moment like, I'm sorry I doubted you, son. This is my fault. I'll never do this again. It was just like, yeah, it just felt really ham-fisted to me. There you are, quick, get in the car. We gotta go. No, wait, Dad, I gotta tell you something. What, what? I know, I know, you were right. Alien invasion, I see that now. Look up, there it is. Yeah, you know- yeah I'm curious if that has something to do with it's it said they had a team of like 12 writers trying to recraft this story from that original summer camp female chicken little story. Yeah. So it's not a good few, sign. Not a good sign. Not a good sign. One thing that they've been doing a lot of recently in these movies, they did it in Home on the Range, they did it in Brother Bear, they did it in Lilo and Stitch, they did it in uh Tarzan is they're not musicals per se. 
Yeah. But they have songs that narrate the story. I wrote down Montage City. Yes. In the first 30 minutes, there were three montages. <laughs> and, all, and the songs were wildly different. Yes. It was a recipe for disaster. Yeah, at least in Tarzan, it's all Phil Collins, so there's like some some coherence there. Yeah, I kind of had some gripes with how that worked, but at least it all feels the same. Right. Same with Dave. What was the other one that had Phil Collins music in it? Brother Bear. Brother Bear. Yeah, but that had different singers too. But I thought those singers actually felt, again, a little more coherent. This one was like, all right, Patti LaBelle. All right, Bare Naked Ladies. Yeah. All right, Cheetah Girls. Yeah, my girlfriend was watching it with me and I was like, she's like, is this soundtrack from 1983? When is it from? And I'm like, it seems like they took it soundtrack from an older disney movie and <laughs> used it in 2005 right i didn't feel like any of those songs really worked that well it felt like a bad shrek ripoff it did it felt like a copy of a copy of a copy of a lot of those movies you just named endings always come to fast they come to fast and they pass too slow and the other thing is like a lot of those movies I listed weren't that successful. And so they keep going back to the same trope. I'll use that word, David. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I mean, I guess this, this movie made money. It, it made Pixar go to Disney. And so at the very least, Chicken, Legal, Chicken Little's legacy is that uh, Disney bought Pixar. <laughs> you said in the history that the deal kind of hinged on this movie's success. So what yeah. would have happened had it not been successful as it should not have been? Well, basically, Disney wouldn't be release wouldn't be releasing the Pixar movies anymore. They'd probably go with 20th Century Fox or with DreamWorks or with MGM or whatever big studios there were. But Disney was distributing Pixar movies under their umbrella, but they were separately creative creatively, mm. and so they were in negotiations to continue that distribution relationship. And Pixar is like, see how good you are. So it could be a completely different world right now, completely different Disney world. So even though the movie made money, Disney was self-aware enough to realize they'd made a pretty big pile of shit. Well, like, they made money. It was, it was yes. fiscally successful. Yes, it was. But people might be on to us at this point. Possibly, <laughs> yes. put out a movie. And so what happened was John Lasseter, who was one of the guys who started Pixar, ended up becoming the chief creative guy at Disney as well right after this. And he's the one who shut down the sequels. <laughs> he's the one who's like, nope, Chicken Little 2, nope. Brother Bear 3, nope. This is this is hurting the reputation of Disney. So look, let's clean this up a little bit. Yeah, there was a streak, and I don't know if you guys have talked about this on past, but like, there was definitely a streak in the '90s and early aughts of like you knew every Disney movie was going to have two straight to DVD sequels. Yeah. Whereas like now, I think they're making Frozen two, but I think it's a legit. Yeah, that is a legit one. It's a legit coming out in theaters, right? Yeah, that's on our list. But yeah, if you look at, I mean, David, you probably have a good uh, memory of these because I think you watched a lot of these. But um, I mean, if you go through this, I think Pocahontas, well, Lion King had like three sequels. Well, Aladdin had two sequels. Lion King had a few. Pocahontas, I think, had one. Hunchback, did Dave, did Hunchback have one? No, that might be no. the only one that didn't. Hercules, maybe. Mulan definitely did. Hercules had a TV show. Yeah, Tarzan. Tarzan had a sequel, yeah. 
uh, Emperor's New Groove had a sequel, Kronk's New Groove. Mm-hmm. Atlantis had one planned, but they canceled it. Lilo and Stitch definitely had stuff. There's Brother Bear too. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they were just churning these things out, and Lassiter comes in. He's like, all right, guys, let's stop spreading ourselves so thin on these crappy direct-to-VHS things and just worry about our actual movies. So, yeah, I mean, after Chicken Littles, Meet the Robinsons, which is all right, then Bolt, Princess and the Frog goes back to 2D hand-drawn, which I haven't seen that in ages. Then Tangled is pretty highly regarded. And then, you know, and then we're into the late 2000s, Wreck-It Ralph Frozen, Big Hero 6, and Moana, and, you know. Zootopia is on this list, right? Yes, it is. And I've only seen that once, but this, the personification of the animals in this movie definitely reminded me of Zootopia, how they, like, they made them human, but they also kept some of their animal characteristics like, as a part of their character. Zootopia did it much better. So did Robin Agreed. Hood. So did Robin Hood. Yes, Robin Hood did as well. One thing I did notice about, I don't know if it was intention, it's weird like how timely this 2005 movie is to now. I know it couldn't have possibly been on purpose, but there was a lot of this like, uh, you know, the celebrity banishment cancel culture type stuff hmm. where it was like he kept repeating like, I made one mistake. One mistake and like I'm ruined forever. How do I come back from one mistake? I, I have to do something great. I have to do something. Yeah. You know, and it was like I was like, Man, this movie's timely now. I don't know how that was in oh five, but if Well that's when all that stuff was brewing. Yeah, must and, have been. and still being kept secret. What else did we notice? There were so many references in this movie. I I mean I I wrote down as many as I could. Um, we had a, a actual clip from Indiana Jones, which was odd. It was a really weird choice to have the real clip and not just to an animal version of it. Yeah, that was very Family Guy-esque. Yeah, just to get that boulder shot. That was actually kind of funny. That part was funny, but I was like, you could have still achieved that with like an animation, I think. Like I mentioned earlier, there was the, the fish climbing up the Empire State Building being King Kong. There was... A direct War of the Worlds line. Well, and like those those robot creatures look a lot like War of the Worlds stuff too. Yeah, there was a Star Wars reference. They said something about Darth Vader's Luke's father. What? Spoiling mm-hmm. Star Wars for little children. Make sure my daughter does not watch this movie before yeah. we get to Empire Strikes Back. They do say you're in violation of International Code nine zero two one zero. It's like why? Wow. Like what? How? Why is that? That's not even funny. <laughs> in 05, too. It yeah. was. When like, did 90210 go off the air? There's no reason why that's even a joke. One of the characters was wearing a Mickey Mouse watch at one point. With three eyes, and that was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was pretty yeah. cool. They just... I didn't think the movie did a great job of explaining how Chicken Little came to his conclusions of, like, the aliens are here. They did crop circles. I don't know when signs came out. I didn't know if maybe that was, like, a, the signs reference in the with baseball and swing yeah. away and all that stuff signs came out in 2002 there you go more references that is a, a common thing but i felt like how he knew the aliens were cool because he's like this is a rescue mission and i'm like how the hell do you know that like, <laughs> they just pinned you in a cornfield earlier before they ever took before the baby came missing you they still pinned you down in a cornfield and had razor blades chopping off the top of the corn right so how did Chicken Little ascertain, like, oh, wait a second. I speak alien. I get, you know what I mean? Like, they, they just took some big leaps in the story to move it along. Yeah, I mean, you can only cram so much into 80 minutes. 
uh, <laughs> with, with these kids movies but yeah that's interesting i didn't even think about signs i'm sure they're referencing that i think at the end when the aliens were sort of pretending to be more more menacing than they were that was sort of wizard of oz ish as well sort of the the man behind the curtain but it all ended up being being fine in the end more or less they just wanted some acorns so that was the whole <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought like the alien twist on it was kind of fun I mean, for what it was like, how do you, okay, the sky is falling. Sure. Now, how do we, how do we make this into something besides like a 10 page story? Yeah. Uh, though there had already been a lot of aliens in recent Disney movies. We had Lilo and Stitch, as I mentioned, just a few years ago, I would say Atlantis and Treasure Planet are very much alien movies. So yeah, just kind of going with what was kind of not really working and somehow it worked. I don't really know. I don't understand the rationale behind this. It just does not really feel like a classic Disney movie, despite being on this list of, of classic Disney movies. Yeah. David, any other observations? Uh, we've covered most of it. I'm just, I'm curious. I want to pull up the trailer to see like how good of a trailer it is. Cause obviously they marketed this really well. I mean, I saw it in theaters along with a lot of other children. I just wonder how they made it look so good that they got three times their budget in revenue. It's insane. Especially considering a lot of these previous ones, um, I loved Atlantis. It was great. And I just, I don't, I think it barely made back its budget, if that. Mm-hmm. Same with Treasure Planet. I know, Dave, you're a big fan of Treasure Planet. Is that Matt Damon? No. See, you're, you're Mandela kind of in Yeah, there. what's the one with Matt Damon they <laughs> Titan made? AE is the, is the Matt Damon yeah, one. Yeah. Way different. That came out about the same time as Treasure Planet and Atlantis, The yeah. Lost Empire. They're very, very similar movies. Yeah. They are. Um, Rafe, any other observations before we start wrapping this up? One thing I did like... Because I've been crapping on the movie pretty much the whole time. It wasn't great. But the thing they didn't explore that I thought was the coolest part of the movie, the coolest character was the fish. (laughs) I thought like that character had the most personality and most like, I thought the fish in the helmet was really funny and cool. Yeah. And the actual technology itself, like when the thing falls into his bedroom and you realize one side is like, is a camera and the other side is a display and it's like almost cloaking soft cloaking stuff. I was like, yeah, that's really cool. Let's see something with that in the story. And they, they just didn't really do much with it. It's like the, uh, the Aston Martin and die another day. Remember that? Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I found that like the most compelling part of the movie. I'm like, Oh, let's talk about this government software that's being like used to spy on us or something. And then like, they're just kind of like, this is how it works, but yeah. we don't have time for that. These aliens got to get their baby back. Could have gone many directions and it was just kind of, it's kind of all right. Okay. Rafe, the job of our guest is to come up with a, a rating system specific to the movie we're talking about. So as long as it's oh. out of some sort of number, what, what should we rate? Chicken Little out of to wrap up the show today. I'll give it uh, 2.5 acorns out of 10 falling acorns. Okay, 2.5 out of 10. That's that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, your, your final thoughts on Chicken Little? I'm glad they didn't make a sequel. I think the, there were not any unanswered questions for no, me. No, that's the end true. Of Chicken Little. <laughs> and uh, I'm glad that they brought Pixar. That <laughs> <laughs> But then I, I try to think of it also from like the point of view of a kid. And yeah. I was like, I'm sure as a child, I'd be like, that movie was fine. It's short. So kids attention span and like the characters were at times cute and endearing probably. But you touched on it earlier. I feel like Disney, usually the mark of a Disney movie is that 
there is adult humor and kid humor and they manage to and usually a moment that tugs on your heartstrings yeah and an overall lesson and i felt like this movie was pretty much void of three of those four things the dad thing didn't really resonate i got what they were trying to do but i was yeah. like it just felt forced and that so the only thing i would say and you said it earlier was uh the kids it was for kids the jokes were very like juvenile and for kids and for that you know they hit that mark and everything else i feel like they kind of whiffed on all right david out of 10 acorns i give chicken little six out of 10 acorns okay which is very low that's low for david oh really yeah yeah (laughs) compared to your 2.5 no but compared to my other ratings yes i wish they would have not included aliens at all i wish it would have been just like an underdog story of chicken little at school they could have come up with some better way for him to like redeem himself besides the baseball game in the middle of the movie but i enjoyed the first like 20 minutes better than once they introduced the aliens i don't have that piece to put in there like how they would have done the second half of the movie but they could have thought of something better and I thought that the movie of him that they're watching in the theater is kind of creative at the end. Actually, I don't know, that style could have been a better movie than this movie <laughs> if they made that the whole thing. I don't know, something like a space adventure like that. But yeah, 6 out of 10. It's my rating. Red alert! Man your battle stations! Status report, Mr. Fish. Commander Little, the evil Fox Luxian army has broken through the planet's atmosphere. That movie at the end kind of reminded me of, remember when they made like an animated Mighty Ducks series? Yes. And they were like the Mighty Ducks in space. Mm hmm. Well, there was also three, two, one penguins. You remember that, David? Uh, there's no. like this, I don't even know. I think it was made by the people who made Veggie Tales. It was like some outer space penguin series that, 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 that reminded me of both those. So. The Mighty Ducks animated series, just watch like the opening. It's pretty, it's pretty sweet actually. Really? The design of the ducks, yeah. And the logo and everything. Huh. Yeah, I don't even remember if I watched that. I just remember seeing it. And like, I love D2, the Mighty Ducks. It's one of my favorite movies, but I uh, never watched the animated version. It is, it does remind me of that too. They're ducks that play hockey at the core but they fight aliens in space okay oh there you go it is the the same thing kind of um out of 10 acorns yeah i'm real low on this four four out of ten i mean it has it has its moments there were a few things that like made me smile i don't know if i actually chuckled i might have i might have smirked as you guys both said the beginning's fun i think as rafe as you mentioned earlier on them sort of mocking themselves it was like all right where's this going and then it didn't go anywhere as you said with the storybook opening and the lion king opening and it's like indiana jones what are they doing here this is this is really interesting and then it just kind of it's just it's just kind of dumb <laughs> yeah and as i mentioned before it's so dated so many choices they made in this from the song selection to the people singing the song selection to the pop culture references to just the animation period it just it just pinpoints this in the early mid 2000s and it's just it's certainly not a cinderella or a mulan or a or a lion king so yeah i'll I'll leave it at that so with that rafe williams thank you so much for joining us today thanks for having me i appreciate it man 
Tell us where people can find you on the internet. You can find me on the internet at reefwilliams.com. That's R-A-F-E-W-I-L-L-I-A-M-S.com. I have a weird first name. A lot of people think it's Greg. And then you see me after shows and be like, Greg Williams, you're funny, man. I'm going to follow you. And I'm like, oh, wait. So I'm Greg Williams getting a lot of traction on everything. And on all social media, it's I am Rafe Williams at Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can find me any of those places. And if you're in St. Louis, you can they can find you tomorrow on stage. Tomorrow on stage. Uh, tomorrow would be a Thursday. Yes. <laughs> I will be doing the Just for Laughs Montreal Showcase at the Improv Shop. And then Friday, I will be uh, opening for Kyle Kinane at the Ready Room. Nice. Bam. Sounds good. Is Rafe short for something? Uh, yeah, Raphael. Okay, that's what I thought. I've just never heard anyone call you that. Yeah. I know who your favorite Ninja Turtle was. Yeah, yeah. there's a reason. That joke is the reason that no one calls me right now. Uh, <laughs> it was tough in the 90s growing up because, like, cool but rude, you know, it's a character flaw, but he pulled it off. All right, and David, as always, thank you for joining me on Disney World Bubble. Get the duck out. That was a quote <laughs> from this <laughs> terrible Sounds movie. Sounds good. <laughs> we'll be back next week with Meet the Robinsons from 2007. So we'll see you then. Goodbye. Later. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Disney One by One podcast. If you have any questions or suggestions, send us an email to Disney1x1 at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Disney1x1 and at Disney1x1.com. We'll be back next week with another exciting episode of the Disney One by One podcast. <laughs>